Hey, what's up? This is Johnny Good Times of the Philly Blunt. In this episode, we sat down with Malik Jackson at El Camino Real. Malik grew up on the small side, 18th and Catherine, where he fell in with the wrong crowd. At age 16, he was arrested and sent to prison for 10 years. Upon his release, he was determined to steer straight. With determination, discipline, and hard work, he now runs his own fitness gym in Northern Liberties, where he trains people such as Meek Mill, Joe Flacco, and Mike Solomonoff. Get ready to hear a remarkable story. If you enjoy it, we hope you'll leave us a five-star rating on iTunes and perhaps even a review. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under The Philly Blunt and online at thephillyblunt.com. Enjoy. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Philly Block. This is Johnny Goodtimes. What's up? It's Reef. Yo, this is Greg. And we are at El Camino Real this time, and we are hanging out with Malik Jackson, the owner and proprietor of Malik uh, Jackson Gym here in Northern Liberties. Malik, welcome to the show. Thank welcome. you very much. Uh, Malik, uh, we always ask our guests to pick the spot, to pick the bar, pick the restaurant, what have you, and you pick this spot. What is it you like about El Camino Real? Um... It's my go-to spot. You know, I live right across the street from it, so it's very convenient for me. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, let's talk a little bit about growing up. You actually grew up not too far from where I've lived for a while now. We probably crossed paths at some point. Um, you were at 18th and Carpenter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I'm at, uh, I'm at 19th and Bainbridge. Oh, yeah, you're right around the block. Yep. Why yeah. do they call it the small side? Because the small side, you know, um, South Philly from that side, a step from Washington Avenue to about... South Street, mm-hmm. and then it turned into you know North Philly. Okay, small side. Got it. Yeah, so I, I, I suspect we probably know a few guys because you also worked out at Marion Anderson, and right. I used to coach basketball at Marion Anderson, and Greg right. actually still coaches there now. But yeah, okay. so um, uh, let's talk a little bit. Go back to that, and you grew up on the small side, 18th and Carpenter. A lot of brothers and sisters, big right. family, big family, uh, but not a lot of direction. Absolutely. And so you kind of fell in with a tough crowd. Right. Talk a little bit about sort of childhood and how, you know, at at an impressionable age, you fell in with that crowd. Um, Oh, man, I come from a large family, nine brothers, four sisters. Whoa. What what number are you? I'm five. Five out of... Yeah, my mom had 11. My pop had two. Okay. So, um... You know, I, I come from a large family, and um, the streets was always a part of my life because my brothers was a part of the streets. So that's what I was getting fed at the, you know, breakfast table. Then it was served, you know, stories. My brothers, you know, they was inputting that type of, you know, um, stuff into my head um, through they through their actions and through their conversations, not directly. And I always been a, um, um, a person that observed and, you know, paid attention to things at a young age. And, um, you know, I grew up and, and, you know, I kind of veered off. You know, I was never the type of kid that really paid attention or really cared about school. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then when I went to when I went to high school, we, just, we took off. You know what I'm saying? I took off. I started doing my own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the streets got more of my time than anything else. What year is this? This is late 90s, early 2000s? This early to early 2000s. Okay. Yeah, early 2000s. I'm around this time. And, um, this fe- 
ain't gonna say fell in with the wrong crowd because all my friends was exposed to exactly the same thing that I was exposed to. Right. So there was wasn't normal. a lot of opportunity. Right. It was normal. Like, you know, we we, we, we sold drugs. Um, you know, um, I fell into a life of crime. I, I robbed people. Um, I robbed businesses. Um, and it was just the norm. It was it was just the norm. We was never we never we knew we was doing wrong, but we never was in a position where we somebody set us down like yo stop doing what you're doing. Right. At some point, obviously the trouble started catching up to you right. uh, because you you ended up serving ten years. Um, was it something that came down all at once, or were you kind of in and out of the system, and then finally the whole thing just got too big? No, 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 no. I, I was real lucky. I was real lucky up till they, they caught me. Yeah, it could have been a lot worse. Right, right. I done a lot of stuff. Got got away with a lot of stuff. Um, <clears throat> was blessed never to go through the juvenile system. Ah, uh, let me take that back. Because if I were if I if I if I would have went through the juvenile system, maybe that'd have been my you know my turnaround. Right. What happened when you found out when you were in court and you found out that it was going to be. The sentence was what it was, which ended up being what eight to sixteen, something like that. Yeah, eight to sixteen years. And then you you hear that sentence. You, I mean, does your heart drop? Does your mind just start swimming? I mean, what what happens when you hear that? It's 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 crazy because um, when I was handing my sentence, the judge told me, um, my judge Benjamin Lerner, he said to me, he said, um, "You'll still be a young man. You'll be twenty five, twenty six when you'll be released." And he gave me some um, stipulations upon my release, one of which was, you know, um, my GED or my high school diploma. Was there any sort of like machoisma with this? Like, oh, I'm going, you know, I'm going upstate because I'm tough and, and, you know, I'm going to be thought of as one of the bad dudes on the block or what have you. Like, was there, or was that, or was it more scared, more like, oh shit, I'm going to, I'm really going to prison? No, no, no. It wasn't, I wasn't macho about it. I, I definitely wasn't scared. It was more so of like, what the f that? I, what did I just do? Right. Like what I, what, like what? Everything gonna hold. Anything that I wanted to be in life, like I can't even go to the Chinese store or the corner store to get my special. Right, right. <laughs> so it was more like confusion. Like, what, what I just do with my life? Like, and I mean, um, and when I finally arrived, of, uh, arrived of state, it was. A blessing and a curse because it was a blessing because um, I got the opportunity to reconnect with some of my brothers. I got a brother that's serving a life sentence, um, so I got to see Raheem. And then the the curse was I'm like afford the opportunity to see the people that I love and miss so much. But look at the predicament we in. Right. The whole like I've I've heard different experiences. How did you keep your wits about you? Because I hear it's just like. It's, it can it can break you if, if you let it. I'm a, I'm a um, mentally strong person. Um, to be honest with you, the hole was like freedom for me. Mm-hmm. The hole was freedom for me because I got a break from everybody. <laughs> I got a break from calling home, getting lied to. I got a break from staying at my... You say getting lied to like people wasn't putting money up? People want to put money up. People would say this. People, it's just um, out of mind, out of, out of sight, out of mind. So I got a break from that, from using the phone. I got a break from um, staying at the at the at my cell door, four o'clock every afternoon, 
waiting for the COs to pass out mail to say they're going to pass out mail to me. I got a break from, you know, hanging with the toxic people that I was surrounding myself in the prison yard. And, you know, just the, the, the TV and stuff I watched on TV. And because I had seniority in the prison, um, I was cool with a lot of guards. And I respected them just as they respected me. So when I went to the hole, they gave me all my books. They got me all my material. So I was able to create a space for myself with this, with me and these things. And this is the freest moment I ever had in my life wow. during incarceration. Wow, that's fascinating. Right. So, so let's let's move to that because you talk about having your books with you. But uh, you had a friend named Taj uh, who was in prison with you and he was the guy who kind of said who came up to you one day and said hey, why don't you have your GED yet right and you were like what what are you, you know what are you talking about but he kept on you about it and you right. got an argument with him was that a conversation that changed the way that kind of changed did, did that change you at all in terms yeah. of your mindset yeah I was scared you know he, and then he said to me you know if you go home today what you going to do and I'm like oh man I don't know. But the fact of being free is enough, but it isn't. Because if they grant you your freedom and you're not prepared for that, you ain't planned for that, then you know for sure you're gonna return. Right. You're gonna return. And as the cycle goes, it's gonna become harder and harder for you to get out of that. And this is why I witnessed with people like my uncle um, Mario, who was spent 21 years in prison for killing my mom's boyfriend back in like 89. And to this day, he's still in prison. Not that he haven't been released. He just keep going back. He just keep going back. So Taj was um, a blessing for me in many, um, in many ways, and um, I took to him um, as a mentor, as a good friend, as a brother in faith, and um, his advice still stand in my heart today. I still refer back to it. So then you start in on the GED, you get the you get your diploma, and then is that the time when you start reading heavily and you start you know when you said you went into the hole and you had all your books with you? Is is that after that? No. That period of time. Yeah, that's 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 the whole really like spurts of personal development and discovering who Malik is and what Malik wanted in life and not being confined by my current, you know, predicaments. Right. And thinking outside the box and really dreaming and becoming without even moving out the single space. Right. Was so, there a was there a click? Was there a light bulb where you're like, yeah. oh shit. Or was there was there yeah. okay. Yeah, so it came it came in steps. The um the first step was um um when my brother was murdered. Um my brother Dirk thank you. He was murdered in two thousand and five. This is before I met I, I met Taj. This is why you're still up. This why I was I was got locked up in 2003. Okay. My brother got murdered in 2005. Um, I just like I, I just held it. I didn't really talk about it. I met Taj in 2006. We became friends. Um, he needed something that I had, which was the the Arabic language. Okay. And I taught him how to you know read and write Arabic. And in return, he gave me personal guidance and developed me into the man that I am today. Um, and in between that, we became close friends. And then I was losing like my best friend, my, my uncle, my grandfather died. And then on my way out, 
my um my little brother got murdered. So it's like it's like I'm in this place because of the, the of the decisions that I made, and I'm not able to say goodbye to the people that I love and the only people that I know. Um, what can I do to make me not ever feel this type of pain again? Because I never said goodbye. I never said goodbye. And it's a difference when you're dealing with an issue and you able to find closure to that issue, then you move on. I never got closure. And the only person that I blame for that is myself. And I would never put myself in a situation like that where I couldn't, you know, fully bow down and feel at peace at the end. You said something really powerful in one interview I heard where you talked about how when those things happen and you were still there, you couldn't show your... You, you couldn't show you couldn't grieve you couldn't show your pain because in that environment you can't sh- show pain or grieve right um, how do you that's got to be tricky how do you turn that off and then turn that back on or have you turned it back on is it still like in you to just because there's a calm about you that's really really right. like you could tell like well you know when you're amongst wolves and you act like a sheep your life you're taken. There's no emotion. Even if you feel the need that you need to show emotion. And I did show the emotion. But I showed it at nighttime when I'm in my cell by myself. Right, right, right. But nobody could see me. And then in the, in the morning, I emerged as everybody knew me. Right. So, um, you got to play off the people that, you know, is controlling the environment that you're in. Right. Because if you don't, you get taken advantage of. And me being young can be easily influenced, even though I was a strong individual and I always was, you know, shaped my own perception about life. But you know, Miguel is about, Jell is about manipulation. And uh, you will come into a situation where you think you know yourself and then you'll merge out of that situation as somebody totally different because you're influenced by your environment. Just like when I was young, I was influenced by the environment that I grew up in. And now that I'm growing up in, in prison, I'm going to be influenced by the people that I'm around. Ties got to me before the bad, bad, guy got, bad guys got to me. That's the, really the only difference. Still in prison and you decide to go into boxing and you decide to go into personal training. Uh, what, what led to those two specific things? Well, I, I was always working out. Even before I, um, I left the streets, I was working out. So when I got to prison, um, I used to always fight a lot. Mm-hmm. So I'm coming out the hole, and I was approached by this um, this guy, this older guy named Lou Brown. He said, man, I've been in the prison for some years. And I said, I always see you fighting. Like, won't you let me train you? And Lou Brown had a, 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 a kind of bad reputation around the penitentiary. Okay. First of all, he was... As a, a, as a bad trainer or as not. a bad dude? Overall. Overall. Yeah. So, you know, he was on drugs, in and out of prison. Then he... He a storyteller. Like, we, we say he, he a liar. Like, he talked about he trained Bernard Hopkins. He, you know, once gave Bernard his, his stop. Like, this washed up. 
old liar. <laughs> and it's hard to believe the stories in prison because everybody got a story to tell. Of course. Right. Everybody got a story to tell. So um, he approached me. When he approached me, like, just give me a pack of cigarettes a week. You know, just another like pack of kite. As we call it, a pack of kite a week. And I'll train you. Um, you can be this, you can be that. And I went back to Taj. I'm like, man, boy named Lou talks to me. He want to train me. You know, the, you know they talk around the jail. He talks to me. He train, um, be hot, he do this, he do that. And um, I'm telling Taz, like, telling him, like, he gonna agree with me. Taz, like, no, why, why, why won't you let him train you? Right, try it out. Like, why you care about what people think about you? Right. Or think about him? Right. If he can help you, let him help you. Let him help you. Um, so, Lou Brown, Joe, Joe, Lou Brown? Lou Brown. Lou, yeah, Brown. Lou Brown. So y'all start working? Oh, so so, is it, are you at Graterford at this point? Oh, I'm sorry, man. No, I'm at SCI Mahanoid. Okay. So, you know, I went back to Lou Brown. I, I, I told him, I said, All right, okay, I, I'll do it. And he just, he was like everything that I needed. He told me the fundamentals. When did you first realize, like, yo, Ohe wasn't lying? Like, he really no, didn't do this shit? No, no. And then I'm going to fast forward the story because I wound up verifying um, Lou, Lou Brown's story once I was once I came home and um, B-Hot became my mentor. Okay. And I asked him about so Lou what, Brown. Okay. Yeah. How does that happen, though? That doesn't happen every day that you yeah, yeah. B-Hot so becomes your mentor. Lou, yeah, yeah. Lou yeah. Brown didn't lead you to B-Hop. You found B-Hop and I found, then... I found B-Hop on my, on my own. Wow. So, um, yeah, tell us this story. This is yeah. great. So what's, what's one? Meeting Beehive, I'm going to be a mentor. Right, so, um, my friend Meek Mill was telling me to go down to um, Johan. He was like, you know, Beehive down there, you know, if you're trying to pursue the boxing thing, mm-hmm. go down there. Now, I'm going to fast forward. I'm going to back up. Uh, when, this like, is the go. I'm part of the, the, the crew. Mm-hmm. My trainer coming down, they bring a group of fighters. Right, I want to fight. Right, right. What year is this, by the way? This is 2004. 13. Okay. The same year I came on. Okay. Probably like seven months after I come on. Okay. I see Bernard. When I see him, I'm like, nah. You know me, I just, I, I just walked up to him. You know, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, um, you know, my name is Malik. I just came on. I did 10 years, you know. I want to be a fighter. I know you hear this all the time, you know, this damn third. And that conversation led to an hour-long conversation because we reverted back to the greatest four days and who up there and who trained who and do so we just we we, we, we had something in common so he paid um, Danny Davis who was training who was training Bernard Hopkins at the time he paid Danny Davis to train me Danny was training um, fighters in Canada and Russia he was being booked in Vegas so you like why you going yeah while, while, while he was gone he would leave the torch in my hand, like, yo, you always in the gym, you know, you might as well be my assistant. I'm going, I'm going away for two weeks. I got a list of clients that need personal training. I mean, you've been paying attention, you know what to do. Right. Just do it. And, you know, I just followed suit. And it, 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 it just fell right into, it, it came to me naturally, it just fell right into my, my plan B. So how long is it when you start training to when, when he thinks you're good enough to train other people, how long a time frame is that? Probably like three months. Wow. Yeah. Probably like three months. So when you when you come home and you're in that transition, and you know, I know you talked about in some other interviews about how hard it was to find a job because you've got the felony on your record, and and how when you when you got that opportunity, 
how are you able to not hear like the call of the streets and like to not go back to where you were and try to make fast money? How did had your mindset changed so much at that point that you were like zero percent? There's never, no chance. No, I never go back to the streets. Right, streets was never an option to me upon my release. Never. There's no long. See, I live my life on principles, right? So throughout the years, I gather information and I turn them to principles. Treats was never an option to me. The law of longevity is one of them. There's no longevity in the streets. If I think it is, right, then I'm quickly reminded by um, my my two deceased brothers, my deceased best friend, a whole host of friends. And a whole host of brothers and friends that's locked up doing a long-term sentence. The law of longevity. If you want to succeed at something, you must go at it every day. And for surely over time, you'll gain perfection of that. And then you'll reap the, 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 the benefits from that. So going back to the streets, I never thought about selling drugs. I never thought about sticking a gun in a person's face. And I made a joke the other day. Um, and I was, just, I was just out. I think a guy dropped some money. And I, I tagged and I said, yo, you dropped some money. He's like, oh, thank you so much. I said, man, you caught me, you know, you 17 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would have took that and probably stuck a gun in your face. <laughs> and we both laughed. We both laughed. Right. We both laughed. But I could never see myself doing that again. Like, I'm so far removed from that. Like, right, right. I, 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 like, no, I, I never seen myself going back to the streets as I was released. One of the things I read, or I think I heard you talking about, was that you would visualize while you were locked up what was happening, what was going to happen to you when you got out. Like, right. And I'm someone, like I broke my neck in a car wreck, and the doctors told me I would never heal Oh wow! So without surgery. But I did like visualization, like CDs. They would walk me through visualizing my neck healing. Like, did that just come natural to you? Or did someone tell you, like, vision board or vision, your, see no, yourself no, doing it? No, it, 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 it came natural to me because of the situation that I was in. Like, I had a statement that I always tell people um, that um, the best thing that I ever had was imagination mm. in prison. Mm. Because with my imagination, I was able to live outside of my condition and my body. Why, why do we glamorize and look up to the people that's the drug dealers mm. that um, that our counterparts call the most ruthless people to ever you know right. live right. they give them the toughest sentences mm-hmm. give them the um, most horrible labels in the media and all that right. but why do guys like myself idolize these people who else do see? I got the, as a hero? Yeah, right. I know the fa- Daddy not around. My right. father not around. Yeah. My, bro- my brother is my brothers is around, but wh- what are they doing? Right. right. So it's natural. It's natural in the environment, the urban environment that I come from. Right. And if you was to come, if I was, it's just so easy to say if I was to come from a country environment where my dad is a horseback rider, <laughs> I would want to be a horseback, horseback rider. rider. Right, right, right. There's nothing else that I want to do. Right. I, that's all I know is the horseback rider. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be a ball player, a doctor, a physician, a lawyer. I want to. I want to be with my brother or my or my father. I seen my father and my brother doing. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's so natural. So it's just not in the urban community. It's everywhere, but more so in the urban urban community because 
um, we have been let down by America mm-hmm. from oh, some sure. some four four hundred years ago. For sure. So it, 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 run, it runs deeper than my generation and Malik and what Malik go through. Yeah, I always say they don't call it a, the trap for nothing. It's a trap. Yeah, absolutely. It's a trap. Absolutely. It's a trap. Absolutely. It's a trap. So talk to me about personal training, like the highs, the lows of it, like what you love about it. Any advice? Because I've been yeah. trying to get in the gym. <laughs> right. I keep saying I'm let's getting say, in the gym, and then yeah. I don't get in the gym. Yeah, my let's girl. say hypothetically, yeah. there's a couple guys that are yeah. in their late yeah. 30s, We don't really 40s. want to interview. We need help. Please yeah, yeah. wait, man. Say we, say we enjoy some beers. Can we get some abs while we drink some beers? So my whole thing is um, as, as far as personal training, because there's two, there's two answers to that question. Okay. Um, how I take it is, how did I get where I got? Or the second question is, how do guys like ourselves, you know, live a better life? Yeah. So I'm going to answer the second one. Okay. All right? Everything is about bounds with me. If you want to bear it to, have it. Have it. Have it. If you, if you used to drink in a case a week, drink a half a case. <laughs> drink a half a case. Because remember... So yesterday was not good where I did like <laughs> 10 beers yesterday. <laughs> not yeah. good. Yeah, this is an intervention, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <thank> you. <laughs> remember I told y'all about the long... long the, the, when I told y'all about the law of longevity. Yeah. That if you put something... Right? Absolutely, you're going to revert back to that. Well, give us some... There's no, there's no doubt about it. Right. So you take it in portions. You find a balance whereas that... If you want the cheese steak, maybe you can't have it five times a week. Maybe you only can have it two times a week. Yeah. Everything is about balance. I don't want you to leave the cheese steak. If you like to drink beer, I don't want you to leave your beer because it's going to make you miserable. And you're going to say, F this, I'm going back to drinking beer every day. I don't want to do the workout thing. I was miserable having that. You find the balance. You find the balance. You Every Friday you off, you got your paycheck, you pay your rent, you everything okay. You, you know, take the kids out on Friday, Saturdays, you. You get drunk till you, 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 you faced. Yeah. That's what you do every Saturday. I'm completely fine with that. Sunday through Friday, you doing what you need to do. Right. right. Well, right. Sunday be staying in bed all day. Right. <laughs> we do Monday through yeah, Friday. Yeah, Monday through Friday, yeah, you yeah, doing yeah. what you need to do. Right. So it's all about the law of longevity and find a balance to, to create that longevity that you, that you need to sustain, you know, in this life. What's your style with it? Are you more aggressive with your, your clients or are you more laid back? Like, how do you get them motivated? I just be myself, man. Yeah. I just be myself. See, um, I don't look at, at clients, even though we call them clients, I don't look at clients as clients. Mm. I look at them like regular people. So, I'm like, you liable to come in and... You feel so comfortable around me. You tell me about your whole work week. Oh uh, man, I'm stressed out, and it's like therapy. And I'm telling you, you know. So you're talking as they're doing, like. No, at- this 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 before and after. This before, before and after. after. Okay. So, I say about 99 percent, if not 100 percent, of the people that come into my life through personal training that I got a personal relationship with on some level. Mm. I know something about them, um, as they have sort me out for some type of advice on you know numerous you know occasions about various things and that's just me being a people person and when did you decide to branch off you were working with other guys and then you started your own gym which is right down the street here when did you I mean that's a pretty big jump that's a major what's the name of that gym 
Malik Jackson Fitness yeah, Boxing Gym. Plug that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, what, what 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 was the impetus to say? You know what? I'm I'm striking out on my own. Goal setting. That's always been a plan, even before I came home. That's got to be an incredible feeling, man, to have your own business, bro. Yeah. You got you got like your name on the top of it, yeah, too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. That's the payback. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the payback. You used to see your name in court documents, mm. and now you see it in uh, in a positive manner mm. where people walk around like, oh, you that guy, Malik. You just gave me chills yeah. with that. Yeah. 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 That, so, was, that was beautiful. Yeah. That so, was beautiful. You know, that, and in Northern Liberties, too. The, like, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> you said you live around here, too? Right. Yeah. 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 So it's... It, it, that's the payback. That's the transition. That's the point where you say, um, "Yo, this really can happen." Mm-hmm. Like we live in America. We live in America. We we ain't in, we ain't in no third world country. Right. You can be anybody you want to be. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It don't matter who you was the last 32, 28, 40 years ago. Whatever your age is, if you decide to wake up in the morning and get just together, you can change. You can change. It's like Tony Robbins yeah, here, man. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, right. I feel like yeah. I, I've been needing to hear that lately. Because <laughs> there's a lot of days that go by, and I'm like, yeah, I could have gotten a lot more done. You but know what I mean? It's, it's never too late. You live in America. Listen, the human being is the only people that operate under the potential. A tree is going to be nothing but a tree. <laughs> y'all heard my interviews. Y'all heard me say this before. A, a dog is going to be nothing but a dog. You put a shoe in front of him, he's going to tear it up. I don't care what, <laughs> what breed he is, that's what he do. Right. right. He don't know how to be civilized. But the human being got the intellect. They got the option to choose right or wrong. To distinguish between the two, know what they're doing wrong is wrong, and know when they're doing right is right, and to make that, the choice to, you know, do wrong for the standard period of time. And then when they feel like, they want to make a decision to change their lives is never too late. So, so you've been, you've now been in two Americas, and and you talked about both of them just right. within the last few minutes. It, right. Is there, and, and then there's a big juxtaposition between where you grew up and where you are right now. And you know, on the one hand, you're saying the odds have been stacked against us for 400 years, but on the other hand, you're saying is America you can do anything you want. Right. How do you how do you balance that juxtaposition in your own mind? Um, we was put here. We was put here. Okay, now you got a choice to make. So, not saying that um, the choice that I made was right. It was the only choice that I had. It was the only choice that I had. And once I was able to get in a company of people that you know breathe life, that that that, that you know spoke life into me, I be, I began to realize through personal development and working with myself that I'm a black man in America. The odds always been stacked against me. Over top of that, I'm a convicted felon. Oh man, I don't even want to look at you now. But who's to say that I still can't reach that executive position that my, you know, city neighbor reached in life without ever going through what I went through I can do that I can do that and I think in life the only things that the only thing that really matter and the only thing that's really different between any of us sitting at this table and any of us in in this restaurant and any of us in the city and anyone else in this world is the discipline Mm. Mm. discipline is the discipline yeah 
You're looking at three undisciplined fellas right here. <laughs> no, I, I agree 100%. Right, totally. Discipline. Discipline. Is you willing to wake up five, six in the morning yeah. with no bus fare to walk or run three miles to the gym mm. to train a person for practically no money? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Are you willing to do that? Right. Right. And then they do that for a, 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 you know extended period of time until you find out what's the next step. Right. A lot of people ain't willing to do that. Right. Is there any is there any regret about like you know people that you might have hurt on that neighbor in the neighborhood or on the block or anything back then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, from that from, from that standpoint, um, from the people that I, I sold drugs to, you know, even to this day I feel it because you know my, even to this day my mom was still on drugs. So to see her in her condition and knowing that I was one of the people that uh, was like the guy that served my mom and I hurt people, you know, sons, you know, I, I feel like, way. Well, of course, you know, that's the, but that's natural. That's the human being side of me. Of course. Yeah. You know, but, you know, you, you live and you learn. I learned not to, to dwell on those type of things because... Um, you can't take it back. You, you, can't, you, you it. can't take it back. You can't change it. How do you... F- contain the ego because I have you know I think most men sure. I would say have a really sure. hard time with that there's a quote mm-hmm. um, nothing in this world belongs to us mm. even the air we inhale must be exhaled Malik dropping jewels, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, thinking, I'm thinking this gym is a nice thing, but he should be like yeah, a motivational yeah, speaker to touring the country. Yeah. Damn, no. it's real though. That's are we, real. Are, we, are, we, are you running for city council? <laughs> <laughs> no, there's yeah, a lot of spots vote. opening up. <laughs> you, you meditate at all? I don't um, meditate in the traditional sense. I do what I call zoning everything out. Mm. So when I'm in a car, I don't listen to nothing. Mm. When I'm in the um, uh, when I wake up in the morning, I don't listen to nothing. I just have I'm 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 alone with my thoughts. Mm. So it's nothing that's influencing me and redirecting me from what I my, my goals and what I got to do. So I just I just spend time with myself. When I'm on the toilet in the bathroom, I'm spending time with myself. That's interesting though. That's almost like because you you had saw like being in the hole was like kind of like a break and a vacation so you're right. kind of doing that in your own way with nothing just you and your thoughts right and it's real powerful because a lot of people can't be alone with the, their thoughts because yes. it scares them I'm scared right? of mine yeah. Oh, yeah. Scares. they start thinking about the pills life and how many years I wasted yeah <laughs> and the kids and you know it just it just overwhelms them mm-hmm. and me I, I welcome it because I, I know I don't even get stronger Right. From this, right. I know if, if it's something on my mind and I'm alone by myself, right? If I'm not alone by myself, I'm not going to think about it. I'm entertained, but when I'm alone by myself, it's like if it's on my conscience, I have to get, I had to take care of it. And then over the time, like you, it's free. You free of it. Right. You free you, of it. Are you trying to reach like a finality with that with that thought? If you have something that's like making you anxious, if you have right. something that's in your head, like. Are you when you, when you're having that time where you're only thinking about your own things? Are you trying to reach some sort of uh, conclusion with that anxiety, or are you just you know are you just kind of thinking about everything and letting things kind of fall where they matter? Yeah, I, I, I let my mind wander, and whatever fall on it fall on the human being got probably like seventy thousand thoughts a day. So I let the thoughts come to me. Sometimes my mind wander all the way, all the way left. 
but I let it come to me. And then I filter, and I filter and narrow it down, and I think about, okay, what I got to do today? What I do yesterday? Let me get up. Let me, um, let me feed the dog. Let me feed the cat. Um, let me get some water. Let me not forget to put on my um, cologne before I leave the house and wash up and just relax and really enjoy a nice shower in the morning because that's refreshing. And do, then do you I, think you have a better appreciation for those types of things because of what you went through? Now we're going back to the principle. The law of familiarity, right? It states that um, you appreciate something when you first get it and then it becomes old to you. So you only reappreciate it when you lose it. Right? Right. You got a nice car. You get it, oh man, yeah, yeah. We had it for six months now. I ain't, I ain't, I ain't getting it washed every week now. Right. If it get totaled, or if it get a flat tire, now you begin to reappreciate that thing. Damn, I missed my car. Right. Because it lost its value to it because you became so familiar with it. So you are, you got always recondition yourself and sit back and sit and, and sit in that moment like, what am I? Um, what do I appreciate in my life? Because other than that. You know, you don't appreciate good health until you get sick. You got the flu, you're like, <laughs> right, oh, man. Right, yeah. So it's the law of familiarity. Yeah. And I, I live my life by laws. So sometimes I do get content in the small stuff that I, I, um, I wish for, like taking a shower, like going to eat, getting a cheeseburger, getting this and getting this or getting that, buying a pair of sneakers and walking down the street and just looking at the, the sunlight where I couldn't do that when I was locked up. But now it becomes so natural because I'm so familiar with it. Right. I gotta sit back and be like, "Damn, I remember when I was locked up and I couldn't do this." Right. So you run programs at the gym for like kids, youth, youth age groups. Yeah. So I um I got a sponsorship program for inner city kids called Trust the Trust the Process. Nice. Um, that I've been running for about five or six years now, and um it all started. Because uh, my little brother Azim, he was murdered when he was about 17 to 18. I haven't seen him since he was 12. And I was locked up. And um, so I said, um, if he wasn't in the streets, if it was some type of outreach program that you know caught his attention that he could have went to. And if I wasn't in the streets, if the if the if the if the, if the hand was so strong where it could have put me into a facility, a recreation center, then I wouldn't be in the position that I am. In prison, and he wouldn't be um, got caught up in the streets and lost his life. So I said, um, you know, let me do this. This is not for nobody. This is for myself. This is for myself. I, I barely um, publicize it out in, in, the, in the mainstream. You know, I'm more like a, um, I grew up with you. I know you a single mom. I know your baby father. He locked up. He doing life. Bring your son to the gym. Bring your son to the gym, so it's more intimate. It's not, and I and I, I don't try to give publicity to the fact because I don't want to be looked at like I'm doing it. Right, right, right. Outside the reasons that I'm doing it for. Right. I'm doing, and I've been running a program for five or six years, and I barely talk on it. But if I know you from the hood, and I'm, I'm always around my old neighborhood, and people are like, you no, know, well, I got my son. Like, send him down. Send him down. I got him. Take care of him. 
As long as he's going, doing good in school, I'm going to send my email address, send me his report card. You know, I got you. And that's, that's, what, it, that's just what it is. That's what's up, man. Philly Blunt, all right, set it off. All right, here we go. You guys ready? Rapid fire questions. Right, just rapid quick fire answers. questions, just quick answers. The zombie apocalypse is approaching. What three boxers of all time do you want on your team to fight them off? Muhammad Ali. All right, two more. Uh, Floyd Mayweather. Okay, one more. Come on, man. Bernard Hopkins. All right, there it is. Favorite Philly rapper of all time? Meek Mill. Uh, <laughs> give me a song that sums up your life. Um, Dreams and Nightmares. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if it's going to be the same answer. What is your, if you were still a boxer, what's your Enter the Ring music? Um... Um, 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 the, the heart of a, uh, a tiger. I a tiger. Oh, no. I tiger. That's Reef's song, yeah, I tiger, yeah. Nice. Marriage, kids, on the horizon? On the horizon, right? Not right now. Not right now. No kids. Okay. Uh, if you hosted your own podcast, who would you want as your first guest? That's an interesting. I would say that I, I would want um, Les Brown. Oh, the, the uh, motivational speaker. Motivational yeah. speaker. Yeah, okay. Les Brown. Okay. Uh, of all the people, the celebrities locally that you train, who has the hardest punch? Mike Solomonov. Oh, uh, Mike Solomonov from that? The Huff. Yeah, we're trying we've to been, get We've been bugging him for months to try to get him on the show, too. Yeah. Maybe you can yeah, put Mike's, in a word for him. <laughs> right, well, for sure. That we're all right. Yeah. So, can guy. you get a table as a Huff whenever you want it? I would imagine I so. I, I don't take a thing <laughs> and stuff like that. Have you been there yet? Well, too many times. That leads to my question: favorite, uh, favorite place to eat in Philly? Zaha. Oh <laughs> man, God, that <laughs> restaurant is insane. Like, he, knows, he knows who's paying these. Yeah. Yeah. Meek Mill and Michael yeah. Salamano. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna bug Mike. I'm gonna bug Mike as soon as this comes out and be like, "All right, I got some good news. Malik, Malik's in your corner. Uh, what's your karaoke song? Um, Biggie Smalls." Biggie, biggie, biggie. <laughs> if someone like me is going to only do one exercise a day, what should it be? Burpee. Oh, I don't know. Break that down for our listeners. A burpee is when you jump down on your hands, then extend your feet out, then You'll bring a your frog, feet, and then you yeah. bring your feet back in, and you jump all the way up in the air. So the I can just do body. one. You can do one a day. <laughs> Keep the doctor away. Yeah. Uh, Where have you what is, oh, it's your, I thought yeah, I was up to Greg. All right, all right. Where have you been that you really love to? Where have you yet to go that you're looking forward to go besides Paris, which you mentioned earlier? Vegas, I've been. I really love mm. once in a lifetime experience for me at that moment in my life, just coming mm-hmm. home. Yeah. Um, and where I want to go, of course, is Paris. Paris. Right. Uh, what is something you wish you were better at? Dancing. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> me too. <laughs> Dancing. Me too. If uh, if you did a fitness reality show, what would it be called? Uh, the Body Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Eagles or Sixers? Favorite team? Sixers. Sixers. Yeah, Sixers. Yeah. What advice would you give to 16-year-old you? Oh, shit. Um, keep going. It's not the end. Keep going. It's not the end. Uh, give me something beautiful about Philadelphia. Um, it's atmosphere. It's people. Um... The whole city, the whole ambiance is just, you know, it's one of a kind. It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, this, I don't, you know, I said it's all light. 
this might be just a little bit heavy, but do you feel like there was a possibility that somebody was looking out for you being locked up when those murders happened to your family because you were retaliated? I feel like um, prison saved me and it developed me into a man. From I'll a, leave it at a that. Boys to a, a boy to a man. I'll leave it at that. Uh, where do you want to be in 10 years? Um, Joe Zarek. Where's that? Joe Zarek is one of my mentors. Oh, Joe Zarek. Yeah. So when you train um, Joe Flacco, can you tell he's a professional athlete when he comes in? Is he different than the other people you train or no? Um, he looked like a professional athlete. You know, guy six six. You know, solid. How's his punch? His punch is very hard. Yeah. Really? Punch Flacco? Is very hard. Yeah. yeah. This guy's naturally strong. Yeah. <laughs> if he was. If, if Dude, the guy can throw a football wrong. 70 yards. His right yeah. arm's going to be pretty tough. I bet yeah. you I could throw a football over the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we I good? Think we're done, man. I mean, I just want to know this one. Have you ever been punched by B-Hop with gloves on? Have you felt a B-Hop punch? Uh, he slipped up one time. I think we was doing a, um, a, um, something for Ring Magazine. And he had hit me, but he put it, he put it <laughs> off. I just wasn't ready for it, but I, I felt it. <laughs> I mean, wow, it? and you're I'm still like, here. Yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> Yo, man, we can't thank you enough. This is one of our best interviews by far, oh, man. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank yeah. you, man. So good. Thanks to El Camino Real having us here. Great what's, wings. Uh, what's the guy's name? Josh. Josh. Josh yeah. what's up? <laughs> and I want to thank y'all personally. Yeah. And I appreciate y'all taking time out. Y'all, yeah, man, you're doing great work. Yeah. Keep yeah. it up, bro. So we need more people like you. Yeah, that was my fault that we had to cancel before. My family got sick. No problem at all. True inspiration, man. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Malik. And we'll catch you guys next time. I'm Johnny Times. Wait, wait. How about the social media? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Plug all your, plug all your. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So on my social media, I'm Malik Jackson all across the board. M-A-L-E-E-K Underscore Jackson On Instagram Okay Alright yeah Alright yeah. Thank you so much For your time bro Alright take Thanks. a like It's the sound Of Philadelphia